I thought of the idea to create a journal a few years back and I had all these topics and once I started getting more and more feedback from veterans, I was like the veteran community could really benefit from this because there's so many things I couldn't process or I didn't want to process with therapists that I could have worked through myself. Is that much of a, that's not much of a change for you, right? My name is Carrie Kite. I used to load bombs in the Air Force, and now I'm a writer, a filmmaker, and an entrepreneur. Through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 70 features Navy veteran Jenna Carlton. She's the millennial veteran on Instagram. She runs the Millennial Veterans Facebook group, and she's the author of the Veteran Book. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. All right. We are live with the millennial veteran, Jenna Carlton. Welcome to Veteran Made. Hello, Carrie. I'm excited to be on here as I am an avid listener and fan. I appreciate that. Um, and right right back at you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to talk about the workbook um, and your most recent post on LinkedIn and Instagram, which has gone viral and... I had somebody send it to me last night because I had, I had a conversation with with somebody who leads a, a nonprofit in our space yesterday, and it was kind of along the lines of what you were posting about. Well, obviously, we'll get into it for everybody who doesn't know, but um, uh, I don't know who hasn't seen the post. But um, he's like, "Man, this is what we were talking about." I'm like, "I'm talking to her tomorrow tomorrow afternoon, so we're going to talk more about it." Uh, but for those who don't know you. Can you give us just a brief primer on on who you are, where and when you served, and 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 what you're doing now, and then we'll we'll jump in. Sure. So I'm a Navy veteran. I was in uh, 2013 to 2017. I was a aerographer's mate. So I did weather. Um, I got out to pursue public policy, and I did an internship at the House Committee of Veterans Affairs, which is how I found my passion for the veteran community. And I now I still work as a Navy civilian, but I also um, advocate for veterans and I create veteran content and just try to find a voice for, um, younger veterans. So we have a seat at the table. I love it. Um, what was the process like for you, um, seeking to serve our community one way and then, and then pivoting to, to, to serve in, in kind of a different capacity and starting the starting the show and starting the Instagram and writing the book. And we'll get into the book stuff uh, more specifically, but just at the beginning, like what was that, what was that like for you to say, I'm going to go to DC, I'm going to try to do things that way. And then maybe realizing that you, you either couldn't or didn't want to. Right. So I didn't even think about it. Um, I just knew I wanted to do an internship in DC because there's a program that the school I went to called the Washington program. And I was like, I'm not sure what I want to get into. And one of my professors is like, well, you're a veteran. Why don't you do something with um, House Committee or work for a congressman or woman who is a veteran? And I was like, oh, holy. Yeah, I am a veteran. You know, I didn't even put that to my identity yet because it was so early. Um, and so when I got there and I worked at the House Committee, they were really proud to have a veteran. And every time someone walked in, they'd be like, this is our intern. She's also a veteran. And it just made me feel like a sense of pride and also a sense of power in um, 
you know, just showing up and being in these spaces where decisions are made as a veteran, as a woman. And what, um, what, what do you think was, what did you learn there through that process? I learned a lot about the issues our community faces. I learned a lot about how the VA works and how they don't work. Um, so it, it really opened my eyes and just how Congress itself works and how they, they can enact laws, but it doesn't mean that people will follow them and, and just the limitations to that power. And also I learned a lot about egos that are in that space and um, how I just don't, I couldn't see myself serving in that way and being the most effective. Why not? Um, well, you know, I think people do great things for Congress, but as for myself, it wasn't really worth it at the time. Um, in, in sort of like, okay, I want to pass this bill like Democrats, I want to pass this bill. Republicans, I want to pass this bill, which is essentially the same thing. But I want mine to be passed because I'm a Democrat or I want mine to be passed because I'm a Republican. You know, it was just such a game you had to play around it. And I just, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So what what um, what inspired you to start the the Millennial Veteran page and get going on things that way? So first thing I started was the Facebook group. And it was honestly because I had so many friends and people that I served with reaching out and having questions about benefits. And I was like, I'm just going to put you all in a group. I had two of my other friends as admins and, you know, people just started adding one another and another. And then people would reach out and they would tell their stories of what they're doing now and, and how they were doing it. And I was like, wow, there's so many things to highlight in this, you know, with younger veterans are doing, they're getting out and doing great things. So I wanted uh, a place to to uh, share those stories, which I started doing on my Instagram page through IG Live. Were you um, somebody who was like into slash good at social media before you got going on on the community in this page? So before I started this page, I was actually silent on the internet for an entire year. So I was kind of out of the game. Um, I always looked at social media more of us as a game and like, trying to get followers or just trying to be funny. I never took it seriously until, um, you know, I had something that I really wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good way to do it because there's a lot of people out there who, <laughs> who are putting themselves out there when they, when they don't have something important to say and then end up kicking themselves later when they're like, well, now I have something important to say and I'm, I'm done goofing around on the internet. Now I want to take it seriously. <laughs> Right, right. And I was just thinking the other day, I'm thankful that I've had slow growth because this is my fourth year doing this. And I, I look back at some of my other posts and I'm like, where was I going with that? And so I'm glad that I'm just getting traction where I've really kind of defined what I want to do and, and who I want to represent. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you said that because I, I, I've experienced the same thing. I, I, obviously, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a couple of years behind you. I've, I've only been doing this for a couple of years. You've been doing it for four um, and, and you, you're more established. And so I, I don't mean to, um, kind of like equate us in this way, but, but what I can relate to is, is that idea of slow growth and how important it is and how, as it unfolds over time, you're able to have an understanding of kind of like yourself, where you fit into the ecosystem and like what your content actually is. I'll never forget when I first, when I first, um, 
reached out to Jack Carr's agent to get him on my show. He got back to me right away and was like, yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have Jack on your show. He can't come on for another year. He's like year, year and a half, like almost a year and a half. It was like a little bit over a year. And my immediate thought was, oh man, I'm bummed out. I reached out to somebody big and like they said, yes, but I'm going to have to wait. And then a split second later, I was like, oh no, this is actually a good thing because I can sprint from now until that moment to get that much better at interviewing people, to get that much better at knowing what I want to say instead of just asking questions and actually having a conversation with my guests instead of just, you know, because at the very beginning of this process, I would just, I would ask a question, somebody would answer and I would say, oh yeah, that's really smart. Okay, here's my next question, you know, and it was like super awkward. It probably took me a dozen, two dozen episodes before I was like, oh wow, I can actually just have a conversation with people. But if it wasn't for that kind of moment with Jack's agent where I was like, oh no, this is actually a really good opportunity for me to hone the craft and to like really figure out who I am on this platform, or at least who I'll be at this iteration on this platform, then I'll just be that much better and I'll put myself in that much uh, more advantageous of a position to have a real conversation that might actually help people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you'll notice people who've been watching you or listening to you for for since the beginning. And then you finally get Jack Carr and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just like so much more, much of a built up anticipation. So it, it is exciting. Yeah. So uh, along those lines, like what, what did you intend at the beginning? So you, you started the Facebook group, you had your friends that were admins that you trusted that were kind of helping you and you're compiling all this information um, as resources for, for people at our community, you know, at, at our age in the community. Um, what was your initial intention and how did that in with, with the, with the Instagram page and then with the Facebook page and then how did it kind of iterate over time and how did you manage that slow growth or how did you observe that slow growth happening, um, as you started to scale? Oh, those are good questions. Um, so I think at first it's always been my intention to get younger veterans involved, to bring them into the community, bring them into those established VSOs that we already have and, you know, let them know what our needs are because we all, we have kind of a lot of the same core issues, but we have different ways we want to approach things. Younger veterans are more open to therapy, mental health, just one example. And, um, so I, I wanted to start conversations around there but also be relatable. Um, and with the slow growth, it, it was hard because you don't get that instant reaction like I've had in the re past recent days. Um, sometimes you're just posting to the void. You'll put a lot of thought into a post and you know just have like a few likes and that's not very satisfying and it's not very motivating. And I've also had a few life changes since I've started the um creating the content. So it's like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm a new mom or I just got married. You know, how am I supposed to keep, keep this up or why am I keeping this up? And I told myself in the beginning, commit to this for five years, just stay. Even if you're just treading water, keep posting, keep talking, um, do it for five years. And then you can reevaluate because I think you need a good five years to really give it a fair shot. And I'm so glad that I never gave up. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. That's the that's a good that's a good time frame as well because it's not it's not too long, so it doesn't feel overwhelming, but it's not too short where you can kind of easily give yourself that that out if you want it. How do you? Because um, obviously you you're prolific and you post a, a lot in a in a good way, 
as, as like one is supposed to on, on this front, how do you deal with those pieces of content or those moments that you're like, oh man, I think this one's going to hit. People are going to love this. And then it doesn't, or you're like, oh, let me just throw this up and kind of see what happens. And then all of a sudden, like, how, how do you think about that? Um, like in terms of, well, I guess, yeah, I don't want to make it too open-ended, but how do you, how do you think about those things? Yes. Yeah. There, there are some times where I'm like, wow, this, this is a message I resonate with. And I, I feel like I have a good read on my audience. Um, so it's, it's like my audience will always respond to those and like those posts, um, and agree with them. But for the ones that go viral, it's kind of hit or miss. It's like, you just never know. Um, a lot of times it's memes, which, um, I was actually talking to someone about this. It's like the memes are, the meat they keep the page viral it keeps the followers coming in but then i have my vegetables too throughout it which are my my heavy hitting posts that are talking about real stuff that i want to talk about so it's it's all about balance <laughs> yeah that's uh that's funny i've like over the over the last year or so i'm like man do i want to get into the meme game do i want to start like posting some memes and um because i'm not you know i laugh a lot at home and like with my family and uh you know, like I, I enjoy like comedy and all that stuff, but it's not exactly in, it's not exactly one of my verticals, you know, on the podcast. And so it's like, do I, do I put the humor stuff out there and just kind of like see what happens? It's been, it's been one of the things that I, I don't know if I'm nervous to do it or I'm just, I'm just like, I don't, I don't really know yet, but that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt the same way at first. Um, I was like, who am I to do this? You know, like it, it doesn't really go with it. Um, and then I got challenged to a meme war, <laughs> excuse me, with another account. And it was just kind of a challenge. And um, it really just, you know, it's something that you got to get used to, I guess. And you just, yeah, it comes more naturally after a while. So four years into your, into your five-year experiments um, and, and thinking about meat and vegetables and, and, and thinking about content cadence and a content calendar, like how do you manage it at this point? Do you, do you work the week ahead? Do you work the month ahead? Do you leave some room for spur of the moment posts? Like how targeted are you? How organized are you? What's your, what's your overall approach there? I can't tell you how many different calendars and charts I've made for myself planning it out and how many of those I've never followed once. <laughs> Everything is very in the moment um and very you know i wish i could save up just one or two posts to you know for those weeks like last week when i was in vegas and i i wasn't really i didn't have time to even sleep um and i wish i would have saved some up but i just can't i don't know why it it feels inauthentic even though that's not true at all because i made it um but i don't know i just i wish i could be more like that are you are you good with planning that uh, so I'm, tr I'm trying now and I'm, I'm struggling with it. Like I'm very insecure about it because, you know, for the long, for me, for the longest time, when I, when I started this podcast, I was like, this is not a carry kite platform. This is a platform for other veterans. And I want to platform other veterans and learn from other veterans and just put content out that is, you know, reels or quotes from videos or quotes from my guests. And now I got to the spot the last I don't know, I would say like a month or so where I like, I have some things to say and I have some things that I've learned and some things I want to reinforce and some things I want to challenge and some different things that I want to do. And so I am trying to figure out how to build those posts in to the Instagram feed. I'm better about it on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a little bit more, um, 
you know, like industry targeted. So like I, I work in advertising and marketing and production. So I'm able to kind of speak to those things on Instagram or on LinkedIn posts in a way that it's just doesn't feel as much pressure mm-hmm. as there is on Instagram. But on Instagram, I'm like, oh man, like now if I want to put content out that's from me, like how do I plan that out? Where do I start? Do I do, you know, static graphic design, quote cards, videos? Do I pull things from the archive? So I'm right now, like my algorithm is all messed up because I'm like trying new things and it's, you know, my reels are only going to reels and then everything else is going to my feed. And now I'm trying to try different things and I'm putting up photos and doing all this different stuff. So the, the that's the long answer to your question, which is that it's a convoluted chaotic mess. The short answer to your question is uh, no, I don't plan anything yet. And right now I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Right. That's a great point because Instagram is supposed to be more personal and more like, what are you doing right now? Um, and they want to see your face more and yeah, yeah. It's a really tough algorithm. Yeah. But what I did, what I did this year was I, I set three goals at the beginning of, or at the end of 2022. So going into 2023, my goal was one episode a week, 52 episodes, um, get some big name guests. I'm, I've, been able to accomplish both of those things. Um, I'm, I'm on track to to finish. Uh, you know, this episode will go live at the end of this month, and I'm on track to have four go live in December as well. So I'm on track for those those first two goals, and then the third goal just being starting to have conversations about what what do brand partnerships and sponsorships look like, and kind of product marketing and different things, and using the platform that way. So at the end of last year, right around this time last year, I set a very uh, what I thought was a reachable goal and not thinking too far ahead about any types of content or any kinds of content, just get an episode out every week in 2023. And then in 2024, if you've done that, then you can start to think a little bit more about those things, which is why right now I'm starting to think a little bit more about it because I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm hitting those goals for this year. Now I can start to think about it. And uh, yeah, it's overwhelming for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, though, to set a goal like that. And I'm very goal-oriented, too. Um, so I think that helps. But just to keep that content going and keep that persistent, especially when it comes to podcasting, because, you know, people are expecting that episode or looking for it. And, and yeah, it does pay off in the end. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's so fun to learn things about our community and the people in it. Like there's, there's so many people that have become like fans and friends and like really enjoy certain types of content or certain types of guests. Cause I try to have such a wide range of people on, um, that I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't don't know if these, if, you know, this type of person, you know, in, in the community is going to like this, whatever I just, and people, our community just delivers on, on interest in other people who have served, who are doing something. Something mm-hmm. valuable, something productive, something interesting, and like the wide range of people that that are kind of here for the content. I mean, I'll see people that I follow will will randomly share an old reel or an old post or something. I'm like, oh man, what they were going back in the feed and looking at different stuff, or, or they listened to that episode and went and found it and wanted mm-hmm. to do something. I just I find that to be so cool, and I try not to be, I try not to be, like talking about goals and and systems, right? Like I try not to be too targeted with with goals. But I also try to be really targeted with goals, like targeted with goals in the sense that they should be small and achievable and not too targeted in that I'm overwhelmed by how rigid the structure is becoming. I'm like, I must hit this goal and I must do it this way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
trying to figure out the kind of content game as I go and letting the, the, the audience, which it's crazy that people even listen to us talk, but um, here we are and they tell us what they want. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point because I'll set like monthly goals and I usually do four or five. And if I don't check them off by the end of the month, you know, it hurts a little, but I, I think that's very smart to look at it as more fluid and it, it's okay if that wasn't important enough for me to get it this month. You know, there's always next month or maybe it just shifted. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you started the, the vet chats, how did you target people that you wanted to bring on? Like, what was your goal with those, with those chats and how did you land on doing them on Sunday nights? Like all these things that might, you know, seem that are specific. Um, like how did you land on, on, on all of those things? So Sunday nights, cause I'm always home Sunday nights, you know, you're not gone for the weekend. Unless you're I, going to a Kesha concert. Hey, that's right. <laughs> that was a Sunday night. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So, so that was like a very consistent thing in my life and 9 PM because my kids go to bed usually seven 30 or eight. So I know they're not going to be bothering me. Um, cause it is a live show and, and you're live. You can't, uh, you can't hit pause. So, um, and as far as targeting guests, I think I've pretty just like sought after people that I think are interesting or, you know, that, that have a story that I know will be really relatable to my audience. Um, I haven't been too, too picky about them. You know, I've, at first I was like anyone who asked, I'd be like, all right, come on. You know, I just need someone to fill, fill my roster. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm taking on too many other things and I'm thinking of taking a break from it. Um, which, which is hard for me because like you, you know, I, I wanted to do that every week for a year to always have a podcast up. Um, but you know, I have other obligations and it, it would probably be the easiest thing for me to step away from right now. So how, how do you figure out what the, and we can get into the, into the book. Um, excuse me, how, cause like for me, I, for me, like this started as a podcast and it, 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 like that's like I'm in a different spot than you. Like, it's not something I'm like, I'm not going to walk away from, from this. Like, and actually it recently, the last like couple months I'll, I'll wrap, like this is my second one today. And I feel super energized by it instead of drained by it because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love this. I love these conversations. I love that they're real and authentic in the moment. I love that they're being recorded and they're going to live in posterity. I love that different people are going to pull different things from them. Like everything about this, I just love doing. Um, so it's not something that I am going to step away from. That being said, I want it to be more than just this. And so how do you figure out what different things you want to do with your platform? And how do you think about as you're, as you're saying, okay, I might step away from the vet chats. What does the platform become and how does it all fit together? And like, what is what is the, the the overall system and platform that you're interested in building for our community? Oh, um, first of all, yes, I know what you're saying because after every vet chat, like I was sick on Sunday and my husband's like, Jenna, just go to bed. I mean, why are you doing this? And I was like, that just makes me feel so much better. And every time, you know, maybe it's it's late, I'm tired, but after that, I feel that energy and I'm so happy that I I did it. And so, yeah, that's going to be hard. Um, maybe I'll change I'm not trying my mind. to talk you out of it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, 
But that's that's so true. And I came face to face with that reality of all the different facets of my platform because people would come up to me. I just went to the military influencer conference and people were coming up to me like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I do this, this and this, you know, like I wasn't sure how to explain it in one word. So I would say content creator, which, you know, I feel like there's more to it than that. Um, and I think, you know, having the Facebook group, I've kind of built it out. So other people, I have other admins, I have other moderators that help with that. And that's a great funnel for me because I have so many people reaching out on my Instagram for help or they need resources or they feel lost and I can't talk to everyone. I'll lose my mind if I do that. So it's a great funnel system for me. Um, so I, I like the Facebook group for that. Um, I like the Instagram because you can be creative and I can share my thoughts in in a different way that you can on other platforms and I also just like I like writing so so that's always fun for me and and that's how I came up with the veteran workbook and that's my newest uh venture yeah so tell us about the veteran workbook um this this one this one right here um tell us about it tell us I know it was an idea that it, it seemed like an idea that you had had for a while and I mean it's it's a lot. I mean, it's dense, like in, in, again, in a good way, like you've, you've, you put time, effort, energy, like all those things into it, self-published it. Like I definitely want to talk about the whole process, but let's start with what was the vision for it? What was the genesis of it? And, um, and what made you decide to embark on, on the adventure of, of writing it? So I thought of the idea to create a journal a few years back and I was, you know, I had all these topics and then, Um, you know, once I started getting more and more feedback from veterans I was talking to, I was like, I, you know, like the veteran community could really benefit from this because there's so many things I couldn't process or I didn't want to process with therapists that I could have worked through myself and maybe, you know, just felt a little more validated. So I started, um, adding topics like that and just, and just really, um, asking questions which I do all the time in my Facebook group and just organizing those questions in a way that's helpful. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again a lot because it is what entrepreneurship is. Entrepreneurs start by solving a problem for themselves or start by addressing something for themselves. That's how this podcast started. I had no freaking clue how I scooby-dooed my way, you know, into the industry that I found myself in that I that I had always wanted to be in. So I wanted to figure out how to reverse engineer that and talk to other people that have that have done versions of it to in order to figure that out. You're writing a journal kind of like for yourself to unpack these things. What made you decide, hey, I want to like I want to do this at scale to help other veterans and like put those questions you're asking yourself out there like for other people to, to also participate in? Yeah. So I knew I wanted a way to share a piece of myself with my audience as a way that's also beneficial and also could, you know, make a huge impact. Um, so I thought this would be a great way. And, um, and yeah, uh, I self-published on Amazon with the help of my friend Lena and she was very encouraging, helping me through the process. Um, and yeah, it ha- it happened pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. What um what made you decide to what made you decide to make it interactive instead of turning like your own journals and turning all of that into 
whether it was like a memoir or or self-help is like the only word that's coming to mind, but it's not the best descriptor, like that kind of like workbooky thing where, where, you know, like you're telling other people the things that you learned and making like a guide, a guide. Yeah. The guide's a better. Yeah. What made you decide to make this a choose your own adventure instead of like a guide? So I love journaling. I've always journaled since a little girl. It's helped me just get my thoughts out and put things into perspective But then you take someone like my husband, he's a Navy vet, and he looks at a blank piece of paper and he's just overwhelmed. He's like, what do I do? Uh, So so I was kind of thinking of, you know, other people that felt like that and how how could I get them to put that pen to the paper and help write their own story um, through journaling? And that's why I called it a workbook instead of a journal, because most of my audience is men as the veteran community. So they don't want to do a journal, but if it's a workbook, you know, they're more open to it. Um, that's funny. You say that I was going to, I was actually going to ask um, about your, your audience and like how, how uh, gender pl- plays into it because we are, we are uh, a very diverse community, but we are also dude heavy. Right. And so, um, so has it always been that way for you? Like, has your audience always predominantly been men? No, no. Cause at first it was mostly people I knew friends and families. It was probably 50, 50. And then in this past year, it's shot up where I've gone more viral a few times. It's 70% men, 30% women, but the age range has stayed the same. It's still between 24 to 36 is my main group, which makes sense. Millennial. Millennial. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, what has been your interaction and experience with, with men and in terms of like response to, to this, uh, to, to maybe men who who haven't journaled before, like what's what's been the response so far? And you published this what three months ago? In June, yeah. Oh, so yeah, almost six months ago. Um, what's been the response in general, and then what's been the response specifically, as you mentioned, to 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 dudes who were using it as a workbook and not a journal? Yes, yeah. Just even having more guys open to it, I've gotten a good response saying, you know, these are questions that are very relevant to me and my experience. And a lot of them are thought provoking stuff I haven't thought about or no one's asked me. Um, So I, I thought that was pretty cool to get that response. And also that, you know, they, they, they'd be into it. They, they like it. Um. the themes like I find myself jumping around in it, not necessarily doing it linearly. Um, was that your intention? It was, it was, you can do them in order. They will make sense if you do them in order, but also I wanted people to, you know, not everything's going to be relevant to everyone. So I want people to go through and read something. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'd like to unpack that further. Or, you know, I'm, I pretty, I got my routine down pretty well. I don't need that, but I'm, I'd like to learn how to unnumb from the military sort of thing. So maybe they jump to that one, but yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to give it any like days or any sort of timeline. So people wouldn't be intimidated by that because I've had journals like that and I'm, I miss a day. I just, I'm done with the journal. Yeah. You're like, I screwed up. I screwed up. I can't, I'm, I'm a day behind and I can't do this. Today. My mother-in-law got me a, um, got me one of those like calendar 
books. I'm a big Harry Potter nerd. So she got me like one of those um, illustrated books that has like every, like a different passage from one of the books every day of the year. How cool. And there was like, it's, I mean, it's so cool. Every Christmas I catch myself like, cause she got it from me as a Christmas gift a few years ago. Every Christmas now I catch myself like catching up for like the whole year, which ends up being kind of a cool experience. You go through the different months and you reflect on your year and like all of that. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, it is funny with like the daily stoic or, you know, there's all those different dailies now coming out, right. Where, where you think to yourself like, Oh man, I, I missed this. I can't really, it's not conducive to jumping around. Whereas this is very conducive to jumping around. How did you land on the themes? Uh, and were there any that didn't make the cut? Like what was your, what was your editing process as you, as you went through this and, and landed on, okay, here's what this book is going to be. Um, how did you, how did you land on those, those themes? Oh, yes. The themes, I had them all cut out in pieces of paper on my living room floor because I've moved them around and I've had to change them so many times. And and I left a lot on the cutting room floor because, you know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't sure if they would match this book, the rest of it, if they would be kind of random. Um but a lot of them, you know, I, w- I would just be driving and I think of something else or like, oh, I want to add this or I've changed the, t- changed the titles of them a lot just to make them a little more um, attractive and to diving deeper in. Do you find yourself, do you easily morph your ideas, like your creative ideas as they come? Like, are you, how attached do you get to different ideas and how willing are you to make adjustments and pivot and kind of tweak. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool question. Uh, yeah. I feel like if it's a creative idea, um, I'm pretty flexible with it. You know, I, I could change it around or maybe another suggestion would be better. Um, but sometimes when it's like an opinion idea and I need to get this point across, I'm not as um, flexible. <laughs> yeah. Feel, feel, feel you on that. For sure, I'm definitely asking more on the creative side because because as, as you're as you're talking th- through this and we're having this conversation, it's like I, I I'm I'm very much the same way. Like if, if I have an idea, I'll, I'll immediately emotionally attach to it in order to test it, like in order to try it on for size to see if it's going to work. And then if it doesn't, or there's something I don't like about it, I'll just dispense with it, or dismiss it real fast, and adjust it and kind of like you know whittle it down to whatever it is that I I do like, and then deploy that idea. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'll just kind of like move on to the next one. And you strike me as somebody who's that way as well. Yeah, that that's innovation. And that's, I wish I did that more because mm-hmm. oftentimes I will pull the trigger and post something or I will say something and I'm like, wait, I, I really could have framed that a different way or I wanted to add more to that. <laughs> and then do you like, so how about when you, when you have that thought, do you, does that bum you out or are you just like, I'll just do that next time? Yeah, I usually I'll, I'll write it down and I'll add it again because if you look through my reels, I mean, I've said the same idea probably five different times throughout the years. You know, you just add a different picture or you just phrase it a little different and bam, new content. Totally. I mean, yeah, back to the content calendar and like planning, planning shit. It's like uh, two things. One, only less than 10% of your followers are going to see any given post anyway, right? Because the algorithm... Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can recycle, you should be recycling content. Uh, I'm saying this to the collective you, just so everybody knows I'm not telling Jenna what she should do. I'm saying the collective you, we all should be posting um, as much as possible and recycling content as much as possible because not everybody's going to see it anyway. 
Um, and then there's also the other piece, which is like, we need these ideas and these thoughts and considerations to be reinforced. Like there, it's not like, you know, uh, we're writing religious texts that like, you know, <laughs> that only have one application for all time. It's like, well, no, we're, we're all iterating and optimizing on these different things that we're trying to figure out for ourselves and, and our community. So yeah, throw different things out there, throw different versions out there, test it, try to figure out like you opened up yours, you know, this last post, which we'll get into here now, like people in the comments are like interacting with you and with each other and having different fostering conversation about what it is that we should be doing to help ourselves and each other get the, you know, the benefits and the opportunities that we deserve. Um, so along those lines, can you, can you tell everybody a little bit about your experience in, in Las Vegas, like wh where you were, what you were doing, and then, and then chat a little bit specifically about that, uh, the post that I'm talking about. Yeah. So I went to the military influencer conference in Las Vegas and it's pretty much, you know, it says the word influencer, but it's really not. Um, there's not too many podcasters or content creators. It's really just people in the space. Um, a lot of different news outlets, you know, they had USS, USAA, big sponsors there. And um, I went to a panel that was bridging the gap between Gen Z and the military. It was something like that. And they had um, a few different people on the panel. Um, I don't want to get their titles wrong, but one I know is the press secretary of the VA was there. And that's who my question was directed to. And the panel was kind of based on this book called We Don't Want You, Uncle Sam. Have you heard of this? I have not. It's by Matthew Wise, and I'm actually having him on the podcast in January. So I've been reading the book, and I, I knew I was pretty familiar with the points he was making. And it came up that, you know, veterans have a responsibility to help with the recruiting crisis, which, you know, it makes sense when you're looking at um, just like Homeland Security, like we should be the ones, you know, filling, you know, it was... It was just kind of, um, and then they had a, she was a sergeant and she's Miss Washington. And she was saying, you know, I've had nothing but a good experience in the military. I'm happy to advocate. And I, it just took me, it was really hard for me to not roll my eyes at that because I think as veterans, our hardest point isn't met until we get out. And especially that first year after transition. So I would have just appreciated if they had more of, more like a veteran was up there if they want to say veterans they want veterans to advocate um so yeah i had to say something right and so you were you, you were talking about the like kind of the they're they're asking us to help with a problem that that they uh cause right right it's like uh don't turn around and ask the, the, the victims to come forward and, and, um, and, and help fix, fix this problem. And I, I use that term kind of on, on purpose cause it's a little bit loaded. I don't necessarily feel like we are victims, um, necessarily, but like that is the, the way that, that, um, it, it's, it's a, it's an easy way to, to kind of think about it. And it, it the, the comments on your, on your Instagram, and then the comments on the, on LinkedIn, like, it's just really interesting to see different people talking about different experiences, right? And something that a panel like that is not going to be able to really facilitate because a panel like that is going to be, you know, having a doctored conversation with a couple of experts or a panel of experts to then, mm -hmm. you know, try to, try to, um, you know, uh, uh, 
I don't know if the word I'm looking for is, but like, you know, try to like optimize and, and get some, yeah. some press points. Right. Yeah. But really it gets to the heart of, of the matter, which is there are thousands of VSOs. There's a couple of, of large governmental agencies, and then there's all of us. Right. And like all the people that have served, like we're kind of left to fend for ourselves. I actually feel like that's probably, it could be a good thing because I think that perhaps the federal government is not the best uh, entity, the DOD and each individual branch. They're very good at indoctrinating us in. I don't necessarily expect them to be the ones to equip us on the way out. And that's both good for national security and warfighting capabilities, as well as, you know, uh, they're not that good at that. They've demonstrated they're not that good at that. So I actually would rather connect with you and other, you know, kind of VSOs to to help ourselves and each other figure it out at our level. Now, I know that's not a popular opinion. Um, and and I, I also don't think it's necessarily objectively 100% true all of the time, because I'm, I'm lucky, like I don't have any um, uh, mental, emotional or physical wounds from war. So I think that notwithstanding, there are certain things that people absolutely deserve. But I'm glad that this conversation has opened up for all of us to kind of figure out like, well, what does this mean? And how can we help each other? And what does it mean that we served during a period of time where, um, you know, we may not looking back agree with everything that we ourselves actually had to do? Right, right, exactly. And I think you make a good point, because as veterans, we have all these resources, but there's still so many that aren't reaching out and aren't, um, they just, they just don't feel comfortable or they don't feel worthy. And, and that was kind of my point. You know, a lot of people don't feel comfortable in this community and they've heard stories that their, their needs aren't being met. Um, what, what are you doing about that? What, what can we do about that? You know, it was, it was more of just like, you know, and, and he was saying, you know, talk about it, or I got a very media trained answer, which is expected. And, and I just took, took that away from it. And I was like, you know what, I will talk about it. And I will share what I deal with daily, the messages I get daily of people struggling. I want to share that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting um, dichotomy, right? Because it's on, on the one hand, we want to hold people responsible. Um, but on the other hand, like maybe smaller organizations or smaller groups of organizations and groups of people are, are the, are the ones that can kind of help, help each other. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how the, how the conversation evolves, um, as, as we, as we move through this phase of, of, um, you know, everybody talks as if the GWAT is over, um, and it's probably never going to be over. Um, but it's definitely not over right now. And, mm -hmm. uh, but people kind of like talk as if it is, and we're gearing up for the next conflict and recruiting crises and all the, all of these different things. Um, and, and it's, it's odd too, right? Because we had the generation of, of military veterans behind us didn't have as good of benefits as we have. And the ones behind them didn't have as good of benefits as we had. The ones behind them didn't have any benefits at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so it's this, it's this odd space that we find ourselves in where, um, I want to be grateful for the things that we do have on the one hand, but on the other hand, people should be held accountable and we should make progress and things should move forward. No, absolutely. And a lot of people were interpreting my message as perpetuating this cycle of victimhood. 
I think that's an exact quote I got. And it's like, you're not, that doesn't mean I'm not grateful. One, for my service. Two, for my benefits, because it got me to where I am today. But also shining a light on the horrors and the the trauma that is caused by the military um, does not make people victims. It's just opening a conversation um, to letting to letting people know the realities of uh, our community. Yeah, I mean, and and people people don't people don't want to know how bad medical is in the military and in the veteran community, both from a pumping us full of opioids, but also botched surgeries and like all these, all these different things that happen. Like we're, the military is very good at trauma, uh, medicine. Right. Um, uh, but, but not particularly great at, at kind of the rest of it. And, and people don't really want to have that conversation and people don't, people get really uncomfortable. They, they want to send us away to go do things they don't want to see or do. And then they also then don't want to hear about and see the kind of costs of those things. And I'm not even necessarily talking about the average taxpayer. I'm, I'm talking about the people that, you know, are working at these, at these federal agencies that are the ones that's like, uh, you're not interacting, um, with, with the community at the kind of boots on the ground level, right. Or with the person who just got out after four years. Yes. Yeah. And I, that screamed really loudly in the comments because most of the people that were misinterpreting or taking my words, however they wanted, were people that were a lot older, um, who retired, or I even had a doctor who'd studied transition, um, which was really disheartening for her to support something like that. Um, so, and, and that's the trend and that just, you know, it's, it's encouraging for me because it means that we need to keep speaking up. I need to keep showing up in these spaces. I'm part of our VA, our county commission. I'm the youngest person by probably 20 years, but I'm in that space because I need to be, and I need more people like me to be in there because it's a tough fight alone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also like, I don't care if somebody's studied something if they haven't actually done it or been around and with the people that are doing it like you can keep your expertise i'm all set lady (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and it's just hurtful because those are the people that have influence in our space and they're the ones that are either being funded to do these studies and come up with whatever answers they want which the va can use as a weapon against us so that's just where i'm just like yeah i could get really heated go go there get heated what um (laughs) So, I mean, so you're, you're, you're going to all these different places and spaces and, and taking all these different avenues, even, you know, working at the county level where you, where you live. Um, what, what does it, what does it mean to you to serve this community right now at this stage, four years into your five-year experiment? And as you're looking at these different things, you've written a book, um, you may or may not continue the podcast. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, how do you, how, how, how do you aim to serve our community at this moment? Yes, I think just interactions like that have shaped my purpose from, hey, this is something I enjoy. I love advocating for veterans and sharing their stories to, like I said before, this is something I have to be doing. This is something I will do until I have enough other voices that are out there to to be invited to the table and to influence policy or whatever we need to do, because it is, it is a must right now. We need, we need um, younger voices out there. 
how do you build off of moments like this? Like there's certain things that you've had that have gone viral before. And this one is going viral as we speak. Like how do, how do you build off of these moments and string them together? Yes. I, I hate reading those comments, but I, I read some of them just to get a good temperature read on what I am going up against, you know, what kind of crit- not criticisms, but what kind of ideas and narratives I need to break down in our community. And I usually just have like, like I have a, a bunch of, I have a, um, a spreadsheet with a bunch of ideas that I've come up just off of reading those. And I have a really cool opportunity coming up. I can't say who I'll be writing for, but I will have a column in um, a pretty big military uh, news outlet soon. So I'm gearing up for that. And, you know, just excited to have an even louder voice. And I'm also really trying hard to not being a sword wielding advocate because I can't go to bat to everyone on there. And just, you know, I feel like that would take away from my authenticity because my my purpose in doing this is to serve, not to correct and show everyone how smart I am. It's it's really to serve and and give those voices to those that aren't being uh, heard. How do you, how do you handle those things like personally for yourself? Like, how do you, how do you manage the, um, uh, like when you read negative comments like that, how do you not take it personally or do you, and you, uh, what's your, what's your approach? You're right. Yeah. I take it personally. Um, and I also, you know, when you feel misunderstood, you're, you want to correct that. It's all about being understood. That's why it hurts. Um, so I don't live online. I remind myself that this is my reality right here in my house. I have, I don't have LinkedIn on my phone. And if I have, I have apps on my phone, but I do have like, um, it's this other app. So it takes me a minute before it will open. So I really have to want to check it to open it. So I just use those as protections because I'm also a mother. I'm also a wife. I need to keep my, I need to keep my energy for those things that are right in front of me that matter. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's hard not to take it personal. Yeah. It's one of those things that like people don't think about when you put yourself out there, um, you get the good and the bad, right? You get, and the ugly, like every, everything, everything, kind of comes comes with it um what can other people do in the community right now to support your efforts other than buying this book which we will which we will link to um but you you very much have like a you know it's not it's not about you it's not about like your content it's very much you're, you're very much connecting people to resources and connecting people to opportunities and connecting people to different voices that they can, that they can consume. But what, what can, what can people who are following along do in your mind? Like what, what's the, what are the top things that people can do? The best thing to do is to just show up uh, where you can, which is if that's in online spaces um, or if that's out in your County or your city, if you can just show up and show that you care about, you know, just making a better veteran community or a better military community. I, I think that's the best we can do and just show that you care about things like diversity and inclusion and wanting everyone to be a part of this. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great thing to do. Um, yeah. 
what's the what's um what have you learned about yourself for this is like my reframe four years into your five-year experiment what have you what 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 like what have you learned about yourself that you think is the most the most important thing for you oh i've i've learned a lot of lessons about myself i think i've grown so much too um just you know having to overcome these challenges of opposition um and how i handle that so i i think the number one thing i've learned is that it's okay to be emotional but everything's about your reaction you know you still need to you need to still maintain your composure if you want to get your point across well said well said um okay before we end with the with the open-ended questions uh, where do you want to drive traffic? Where can people follow you and where, and I'll link all this in the show notes, obviously, uh, where can people find the book? Sure. So it all starts on my Instagram. I have my link there, which you can find everything. Um, and the Facebook group, or if you know someone who's struggling, they just got out. We have a lot of transitioning, uh, military that are in the Facebook group and just a lot of support in there. We have an addiction counselor. We have, VA examiners in there that can help you out. So pretty much anything you need, we have people that um, you can ask questions to, which is. Really and awesome. the Facebook group is. Uh, I'm going to hop on there and join. It's the veteran. It's the uh, the millennial veterans, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, we have a few different chats in there that um, you can uh, utilize. Cool. Awesome. We'll link all that out. Um, okay. As you know, to end the podcast, we've been asking an open-ended question. What is on your heart and your mind for our community right now? Whether it's a piece of advice, something you want to get off your chest, or something you want to reiterate from what we've already talked about here today. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What's on my heart today is um, maybe kind of obvious, but it it's just to further understanding of the actual problem that we have. In the veteran community, I seen on the comments a lot, there's so many testimonies. Well, I had this, I had that, or my experiences was bad. I think we need to stop um, viewing it as individually and looking at it as a whole. You know, what what are the struggles? What are you seeing day in and day out? And, and how can we help that? What are the tiny things that you could do to help and and, you know, there's so many people that are outside of the military community that care and and are making changes. So so that's just on my heart is just looking at a different perspective. And I need to do that myself sometimes. You know, I've I've been judgmental and I need to flip the script and and yeah, just just have an open experience and let's do some civil discourse. Yes. Well said. I mean, we we. uh <clears throat> if we can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Like that there's, there's a, um, there's something about our community that obviously from a national security standpoint, we're, we're the tip of the spear. And obviously there are other people that are at the tip, tip of the spear. Uh, I know what that phrase means, but, um, that's also true for, for everything else, right? Like we, we can provide the template for, for our culture and our country to have more civil discourse, to have, better conversations, to have more empathy, um, to, to look at things, um, in a, in a cross partisan way, not even in a bipartisan or a nonpartisan, but just to like, look at things, like 
how does your individual experience affect the collective experience of your community, vice versa? Where do those things intersect? Where do they integrate? And what can we kind of like learn from those things? I think our culture and our country could learn a lot um, from that. And and we have the opportunity to to provide that. And we signed up to serve and service is always going to be a part of our of our life. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think it a lot of people would even say that I'm unpatriotic for criticizing the government or anyone who criticized, but it makes you even more of a patriot. It make it means that you care and it means that you want to better this country. So never be afraid to speak out. Yeah, completely agree. I mean what it was I think it was Mark Twain who said, um, I am loyal to my country always and my government when it deserves it. Yeah. Yes. That's a great quote. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's anybody. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. Uh, cool. Well, Jenna Carlton, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining. I know it won't be the last time we do this. Um, and uh, yeah, excited to uh, continue the conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. This is great. Awesome. We'll see you. Bye. 